Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the Hog Talk Podcast, the newest addition to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Find it on hitthatline.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore... The Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479 479- The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on the action at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. By low, it's pretty good at this quarterbacking thing. 20 touchdowns. Boy, it's good at this running back thing. Oh my, three, two, one, yo, what is going on Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere, welcome, 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 I'm Ty Hudson, the Friday host and co-creator of the Hog Talk Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had a wonderful week. A lot of news, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, we'll get to all that and more. But if you guys would, either you know now or maybe after the pod, you rate and review the podcast. That would be excellent if you could rate and review the podcast goes a long ways. And hey, feel free too to leave us a, a, a written review. We love reading those. Some of them are just downright hysterical. They're pretty funny, some of them. I'm not going to lie. They are. They're pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but no, we do read them and we enjoy them. And, and we do appreciate you guys being a part of what we do here. Downloading and listening. Porter will have the women's sports update for you guys on the Monday show. So for those of you who are uh, looking for that, that'll be provided for you on Monday. Porter's going to get you all caught up there. He does a great job. Speaking of doing a great job, how about Kyle? He'll be interviewing Adam Spencer, newsletter editor, writer, columnist, occasional podcast co-host for Saturday Down South. And also, according to his Twitter bio, he is a Corgi dad. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Spencer four. You can follow him there on the old Twitter machine. So that'll be, that'll be coming up next. Kyle will be interviewing him. I am going Han solo on this Friday show. Good grief. I hope you guys are just, uh, I hope you're doing swell. 2020 is about over with it's, it's been a wild ride. I am, like so many of you counting down the days to just end this year. And it's not like magically 2021 pops up and it's all better. I get that. But it just kind of feels symbolically like 2020 just needs to stop. Just stop it already. You're so mean, 2020. 
We do have Discord questions. That'll be the last portion of this of this uh, segment. That'll be the last thing. So I'll get those to you. I always look forward to reading those. I'm going to make sure I proofread this time. I have my swear jar. I have my swear jar here too. Hopefully I won't need it today. <laughs> well, maybe I will because the first thing I'm going to talk about is, is Rakeem Boyd. Rakeem Boyd, he opts out. You guys know the story. He opts out, and he's he's not going to play in the final games with the Razorbacks. And uh, I I'm I'm just a little bit disappointed when I read on Twitter. I get it. Twitter Twitter's the place where Twitter's the place where anybody can go and say whatever they want behind a avatar behind a I don't know anime. Japanese anime pictures and and uh, their favorite Razorback profile picture, but they won't usually don't always give their their real names, keyboard warriors and what have you. I get it. They're gonna have everyone has a right to an opinion. As someone was reminding me on Twitter, no kidding, no kidding. But when you have a take like this on on YouTube, this was on my YouTube channel. I'm not gonna say their name, even though it's a not a real name, but. He says, glad his, his butt, and he, he obviously didn't say butt. He used the other word. I'm trying to, hey, look, I, I don't want to have to put any more money in the swear jar. Glad his butt is gone. Rakeem ran scared to hit the line hard. Only a D-bag. I will say that. I don't think that's a swear word. Only a D-bag quits at the end of the season. Break a leg, Rakeem, literally. Someone like that. And believe me, there were much worse. There were some other, you know, on Facebook and Twitter, there was some really bad stuff. I'm not going down. I, I don't feel like vomiting right now, so I'm not going to read all that nonsense. If that's the way you really feel, if that was more than just an emotional reaction, you need to reevaluate your life. I don't know. Go to church on Sunday, Sunday nights, Wednesday, assuming you're able to, assuming you're allowed to. Seek help. Maybe see a professional. Because that's sick. That's disgusting. And, and look, I'm used to it. I've been on social media for a while, like a lot of you have. I've been a Razorback content creator for a number of years. I've been on two podcasts. I've seen some really bad comments. Some stuff that's just like, wow. And, and Hog fans are emotional. I get that. We have a special attachment to the Razorbacks, and sometimes it leads us to saying things that we will and typically do regret later. I hope, God willing, we have some humanity in us. I hope that individual, first off, I hope they don't delete that comment, keep it up, own it, and then come back later and say, you know what, I had an emotional reaction, that's my bad. I wish Rakeem nothing but the best. We need to find our humanity on social media, especially amongst Hog fans. I have higher expectations for hog fans because if I didn't, it, it would just, I'd just walk around depressed all day. If I took everything I read off social media to heart and I don't, I just, that stuff is ridiculous. It's over the top and it's, it's absurd. If you really feel that way, because a young man is making the decision that he feels like it's best for him and his, you need to wish him the best. I have no problem with people who are just, a, you know, a little bit let down or disappointed that he's he's walking away right now. We also don't know the entire story. There's rumors everywhere coming from all angles, including even local media. I don't, I don't, look, I take everything I hear anyways with a grain of salt, and that's the way we all should. Rakeem hasn't come out and said why yet. Maybe he will later down the road. He's got players and teammates supporting him on social media. And I think fans should be supportive as well. I get it. Social media is going to be a place where people spew whatever they want. And and you have a right to an opinion. I'm not saying that you don't. I have no issue with someone who's just a little bit let down and disappointed he didn't finish the year out. But wishing someone that they they literally break their leg, please reevaluate your life. I don't know. Find happiness somewhere. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else to tell you. Find new friends. That might help. That's my two cents. Okay, let's get into the good talk. Let's get into sports. The thing that we're all here for. Arkansas, last night, 
They got a win over UT Arlington, the Mavericks, who are now one and three, zero and two on the road. Arkansas wins this thing seventy-two to sixty. It was uh, not the prettiest of two halves. It was not. It was. It was definitely a game of two halves. But although Arkansas was clearly the dominant, better opponent, you know, I I, I came away feeling like, all right, look, seventy percent of that game, Arkansas. There was no doubt that this team. It, there was no doubt really from the first half to the second half they were going to win this thing. But the way they closed it out was just ugly. Ooh. Oh my gosh. It was, it was, uh, yeah. It, it, it was not a pretty second half. Connor Vanover, who only logged 20 minutes. Jalen Williams logged the other 12. Your starting five were Vanover, Smith, Tate, Moody, and Seals. I thought Moody. I mean, look, it goes without saying. The guy nearly had a double-double. He's getting better every week. Nine rebounds. He had three offensive rebounds by himself. Six defensive. 24 points. You know, did get into foul trouble there a little early. He also logged an assist. Everybody that rotated, they rotated nine players. Everybody but two players had an assist. Someone needs, has that happened yet this year? Because I honestly don't know. Arkansas ends this game with eight steals. A grand total of 43 rebounds. They shot 40% from the floor, 25 of 62 there, 7 of 21 from three-point range. So just just around, just under 34%, and they shot almost 79% from the free throw line, 15 and 19 there. I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, Jalen Williams didn't really, his 12 minutes, he, he wasn't worried about trying to score. And I'm I, I'm actually, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. What, what was interesting was, well, you had Jackson who was – Offensively, it was just nowhere to be found. 0 for 3 from three-point range. 0 for 5 from the floor. He had no points. He logged 20 minutes, but he did end up with uh, with five rebounds. He had an assist as well, uh, but he did turn the ball over a little bit there. There's some things they still got to work on. I'm going to tell you this right now. Part of what happened or the reason, they definitely backed off. Connor Vanover, I don't even think he played beyond six minutes to go in the four, in the uh, excuse me in the second half. You know, they didn't. I think they scored two points in the final like five and a half, six minutes or something. It was not good. They cannot do that in conference play. You can't do that against a non conference opponent like Oklahoma State. You're not going to be able to do that against even there's, there's some other teams before you get into conference play. You're not going to be able to do that against, but there's a reason why those final minutes were as bad as they were. Vanover was not on the floor, who's been a key guy. I mean, he, good grief, 12 minutes. Five of six from the floor, two of three from three-point range, two rebounds. He had a steal, two blocks, 12 points. Right, you go, he only logged 20 minutes. He didn't play in those final minutes. They were still rotating guys. Connor, or excuse me, uh, Coach Musselman is still trying to find the right chemistry. And that's why this thing got ugly. By the way, those guys they played were deep. What they rotate? Like 14 players? And their bench logged some minutes. They didn't get a whole lot of productivity, at least from a scoring angle, from their bench. They had Carter, this guy, come off the bench. He uh, he had 16 minutes on the floor. He had a couple of offensive rebounds, and uh, and that was really it. And he turned the ball over, and he had, again, he had two points. But that guy logged 16 minutes. Probably their most productive guy off the bench was Griffin. Griffin! You family guy, old school family guy, fans out there. Griffin, he was uh, 2 of 5 from the floor, 0 for 2 from three-point range. He was 4 for 4 from the free throw line. He logged 8 points, had a couple of rebounds. He also had a, a steal. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty productive. But they rotated so many players. They were deep. They were really deep. But what's exciting is just the size that Arkansas can play with, and we saw that last night again. They're just trying to find, they're just trying to find the right chemistry. I uh, wasn't super stoked that KK fouled out. I was a little surprised. It was so quiet. I'm not going to lie. It was. I, I had no idea he was even at four fouls when he when he fouled out. Not a whole lot of productivity there from him. But, he, hey, he did knock down a three. Uh, he did have an assist. Seals last night. It's good to see if you're going to get 31 minutes on the floor and you're going to struggle 0 for 3 from three-point range from out in the perimeter you're one from six from the floor you only get three points it's good to see that you can make that up with three rebounds two assists four steals and only one turnover and two fouls you're gonna live with that 
31 minutes, you're, you're, you're okay with that. And Seals, I don't think we'll have too many of those sub six, eight point games. I don't think that'll be a thing. I think Seals will get it figured out. Again, it's about chemistry. It's about finding who works best together. Uh, Moody, definitely the player of the game. Again, almost a double-double. 24 points, nine rebounds. Uh, Smith last night, not enough talked about him. He had six, six offensive rebounds. Six. You know how many You know how many UT Arlington had total as a team? Ten. You're going to get second-chance shots this year, baby. They're going to have second-chance points. It's gonna happen. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get 17 offensive rebounds a game, but you come anywhere near close to that in SEC play, and you're still rebounding well on the defensive side of things. You're racking up 12 assists. You're getting eight steals. You know, I think your blocks on average. Look, they've got four in this one. Connor only had two blocks. That's probably gonna be like his low ball games or two blocks, right? He had two blocks and a steal with those 12 points. 12 minutes. You're getting a point per minute in 12 minutes. You're going to take that. I liked what I saw. 75, 70% of this game, Arkansas played great basketball. I mean, I I played really, really good basketball. Maybe not great, but really good basketball. They led by double digits most of the game. Uh, And again, they ended up winning by double. They ended up winning by 12, 72 to 60. Uh, Yeah, so 3-0. You're the only 3-0 team in the SEC. Nobody else is 3-0. The closest... Is uh, well, Alabama at three and one, who people predicted to finish higher than Arkansas. We'll see. Georgia's two and zero. Mizzou's two and zero. A and M's two and zero. LSU's two and one. The uh, LSU old money bags. I can't go a show. I cannot go a show without throwing shade at LSU and that cheating basketball program they have. Speaking of cheaters, you're gonna have to play Oklahoma State later on. <laughs> Pack of cheaters over on uh, going to play them on January 30th. That'll be your toughest non-conference game. Next up, Arkansas going to play the Lipscomb Bisons. That's that's uh, that's on the fifth. I love Wednesday basketball because then it's like, oh yeah, and a couple days later you got another game. I love that. That's what I love about basketball season, man. It's not one game a week. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Lipscomb will be an interesting interesting matchup. Uh, a quick breakdown on them. They are they are one and two. They've lost to uh, Cincinnati, Tulane, and their only win this year is against the Lamar Cardinals, who are who were zero and three. Is that right? Are they no? They were zero and three, I guess, at the time. Anyways, um, they play in the A Sun Conference. Or, or A-Sun, that's their standings. Is that is that a conference? What is that? Uh, again, they are one and two. Jacksonville, they play with Jacksonville, North Alabama. Uh, Liberty is in, that, is in that conference. Florida Gulf Coast, North Florida Stetson. Currently, they are one and two. So, that's what's next up for the Razorbacks. I don't have – I wasn't planning on doing a breakdown on them. I was going to skip right into to football, but um, – Trying to see if they have what what they look like size wise. They do have they have a center Abdu- uh, who's who's six eight, Ashan Esadula, who uh, who who this year is averaging about twelve points a game. A little bit of height underneath him. He's their he looks like he's their starting center. He's averaging right at about seven rebounds, twelve points. He's shooting about fifty two percent. I'm sure how he's, we know how he's probably getting those. If he's a big, uh, any four or five guy with that kind of percentage, you think, ah, he's probably, yeah, probably a lot of dunks. But uh, they look like they got a pretty decent roster in terms of, of the amount of players. Okay, moving on. Razorback football. On to, uh, well, on to this one. Arkansas right now. Yeah, you're not you're not picked to win this one. Mizzou by three. ESPN's football power index has them at sixty percent. No surprise there. ESPN. No surprise. Sixty point one percent. Let's go down and look at these guys really quick. Let's compare side by side. Mizzou is four and three overall in the year. Arkansas sitting at three and five. By the way, their quarterback at home. This guy throws uh, Basilak. Basilak. Is that how you pronounce it? I always mess up names. That's what I do here, people. He, he throws for like 76% at home. 
He is a really accurate quarterback. He just doesn't get it. In, he just doesn't get it into the end zone a whole lot. That's what they use the running back for. That's what Roundtree's for. Points per game. Let's go. Arkansas twenty, almost twenty six points a game. Mizzou at twenty four points allowed. That number's come up. It's come up since you played Florida. You know. Uh, Arkansas, they beat Tennessee 24 to 13, but then you lose. You got this two game losing streak coming into this game. You've got this overall losing streak to Mizzou that just should not be there, but it is. Yeah, you're, but you're giving up points. It's, it's starting to go north. They're at 31 points a game given up for a while. I think Arkansas was at like 23, 24. Mizzou at 25 points a game. Total yards. Arkansas gets about 395 to Mizzou's 403. They average about 267 through the air game. Arkansas 252. Believe it or not, even with Roundtree, they've only been at about 136 yards a game on the ground. Arkansas at 142, which that that honestly is surprising. I thought it would be like 155, 160 in the neighborhood, somewhere in there. Defensively, they've played pretty good football. They're giving up only about 349 yards a game to Arkansas's 427. Uh if they have a weakness on defense, if you want to talk about them having a weakness, their secondary gives up about 230 a game just south of that and 121 on the ground. Arkansas gives up almost 100 and well, it's right at 179 yards a game. Roundtree could have an absolute game. Arkansas gives up also 249 per game through the air. Uh, Roundtree. you've got to find a way. I don't know how they're going to do it. You are going to be healthy. This is the good news. Arkansas is returning. It sounds like they're going to be close to full strength. You had some time to prepare for this game. I'm not shocked that ESPN favors them to win. I think it's, it's, it's going to be, I I think it's going to be a low scoring game for the most part. Maybe Mizzou kind of finds a way to pull away. I do think Mizzou wins this ball game. I just, uh, Arkansas, you know, their defense has kind of gotten exposed a little bit. And I know the LSU game, it's understandable. I get it. Florida, you could even argue, look, Odom was the guy. He was the head coach from start to finish. He didn't get to just concentrate on his defense. He had to be the guy. And I, I agree that had Pittman been there and had Arkansas been a little bit healthier in the LSU game, I do think scores would be different. And I do think you'd have another win in, in your win column. I think Arkansas would be would be 4-4 four and four right now. I think they would have beaten LSU if they were healthier up front, and I don't think you would have given up so many points to Florida had Odom just been the D.C. and had Pittman been there. Had Jalen Catalan not get kicked out of the game for a bogus call. I'm sorry. Maybe it was people are convincing themselves it was the right call by the rules. It's just a, it was just, it's just a bad rule. I, I don't care. Whatever side you're on, we all agree he should be playing in this game. He should be playing in this game in the first half. He will have to sit out the first half. That's a blow. That makes me a little bit concerned, but then it also makes you feel better because he's going to come in in the second half. You're going to be able to make whatever kind of adjustments you need on defense because now they're going to have to, Mizzou's going to have to account for where Catalan's at on the field. Catalan right now is like a level three playmaker. I've put together, that's how I'm, that's how I'm doing this. I'm, I'm like contributor, right? Like that's just a guy that plays. Probably not going to get drafted. And you got playmakers, right? But there's levels, one, two, and three. <laughs> I'm just trying to be creative. I don't know. Like a level three contributor is a borderline playmaker, right? A level three playmaker is a borderline difference maker. A level three difference maker is like Darren McFadden. Like like Matt Jones, like first round caliber players. Catalan is a level three playmaker, baby. Catalan is a difference maker almost, and he's going to play in that second half, and Mizzou better watch out. You've got a couple of good linebackers at Arkansas that are also pretty bad to the bone, Bumper, Poole, and Morgan. How about those guys? Should be all conference when it's all said and done. When the dust settles on the year, they should all three, Catalan included, should be all conference. I'm tired of the disrespect. Bring it on. This is a must-win game for Arkansas. It's a must-win game. I don't know that they play Bama, but if you do, I don't think they do. But if you do, if you lose this game, you're, you are looking at a 3-7. Look, I, I'm, I'm happy about 3-7 because I had them at 2-8. You're well beyond where people thought you were at. But now there's a difference between a 3-win and a 4-win conference-only season. 
I'm like I said on my live show on the PTN. I'm tired of being the underdog. I'm ready for the respect. Imagine the respect if you could find a way to get four wins this year. You play a bowl game. Hopefully you win that. We're talking about a five-win season. In a year where you were expected by most in national media, local media, to be lucky to win a single conference game. We're talking about five possible wins. You get set up by doing that against Mizzou this week. It's a big game. It's a, it's a game about respect. I'm sick and tired, and I know these guys are too. All the other, all you guys out there in the audience, the fans were tired of losing to teams like Mizzou. Who would have thought 10 years ago you would have a losing streak to these guys? I'm tired of it. Let's bring it on. It's time to beat these guys. This is the week to do it. I just don't think they do. They got to prove to me on offense. They've got to get it together. On offense, we've got to see some damn consistency. Where's the, where's the, where's the jar? Where's the, Swear jar. I don't... I, I put it somewhere. I don't know where it's at. Just pretend like you heard me put the quarter in the swear jar. You've got to get some consistency on offense. Play calling has got to improve this week. Call me an armchair quarterback. I don't care. I think everyone in the, and, and their dogs agree that the play calling has got to get better this week. Rushing. The, the, rush, the rushing offense has got to find itself. Mizzou's pretty decent against the run. Okay, they've got some they've got some backers. They got some linebackers that could play pretty good football. You're gonna have to establish the run in this game. They're secondary, they don't get a whole lot, they don't force a lot of takeaways. I think they have four fumbles on the year and like two picks. They don't they do not force a whole lot of turnovers, right? I think on the year, how many sacks? What are they at? Let me look here. What are they at? Eleven. Oh, no, they're at 15. They've got more than Arkansas. Arkansas is tied for second fewest sacks on the year, by the way. That's got to change this week. Or at least uh, that projection needs to be altered. You need to get in that backfield. And Basilic, who's, who's uh, I think, a freshman, 147 out of 209 throws, 1,622 yards, five touchdowns, two picks. Again, at home, this guy throws like 75%. Overall, he's a almost 71% pass completion guy. Throws a lot of high percentage throws, like hitch routes, slant routes, things like that. They'll throw, they'll toss some screens in there. Time of possession in games like this will matter. Eat up the clock, and you do that by establishing the run. Time of possession is just atrocious. I mean, Arkansas is just terrible. I, I think it's like 24 minutes a game or something. It's so bad. And uh, Mizzou, a, a game like this, establish the run, figure out a way. Look, they only give up a buck 21 on the ground per game. Do not let Roundtree break loose. Roundtree can beat you in a couple of different ways. Don't let him do that. The guy rushes. He's got 650 yards on the year, eight touchdowns. Time of possession matters. Yeah, Connor Bazelak, 147 out of 209, 70% overall on the year. Uh, his longest for 69 yards. He averages about eight yards of completion. Again, he, it's a lot of a lot of high percentage throws. They don't usually like to try to stretch the field, but I think they're capable of doing that. Um, they also have Tyler Beatty. This is another guy that can beat you in a couple of different ways. 41 carries, 160 yards. He averages about four yards a carry. Uh Two touchdowns on the year. They're not really getting it done through the air, but it seems like their offense is starting to come along. Beatty, by the way, 20 catches out of the backfield. This is the running back. 20 catches out of the backfield for 302 yards. He averages 15 yards per reception with two touchdowns. Beatty is going to be someone you need. Assuming he plays, I don't I don't see an injury report with him on it. But uh, they've got a couple of different weapons, and they're going to be able to open things up. Roundtree can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's only got 10 catches, 57 yards this year, no touchdowns. Uh, special teams are going to matter. Oh, that gives me the shivers saying that. It gives me the shivers. Um, I'm concerned about special teams. This could be one of those games where it comes down to that. But, yeah, I, I do have Mizzou winning this ball game. I do. And my score, my prediction, is 29-21. My faith, probably higher than than the LSU game. I think I said I was at like a... a, We decided we are going to do color. Green, yellow, red, orange. Orange being, uh, or red being absolutely no no trust in your pick. And then green being, I can't remember. 
I don't remember if that was here. We talked about that over on the Patreon network. I, I can't remember where and when I said that, but I have. I don't have a whole lot of faith. Or I didn't have a whole lot of faith in that LSU pick. And this one, I feel a lot more confident that Mizzou probably finds a way. I hope they don't. Nick Bolton over there, seventy-six tackles on the year, two sacks. He's got four pass breakups. He's got a fumble recovery. Is that him that was smack talking on Twitter? Is that who that was? Oh, buddy. Our linebackers over over Mizzou's any day. We're rocking it with our linebackers. The talent there is far better than I thought it was. On the year again, they don't have, yeah, they've, they've got a grand total of 15 sacks. They've got more than Arkansas uh, while playing just seven games. Keep that in mind. They've played seven games to Arkansas's eight. So uh, they will come after Felipe Franks, but you can slow that down. By, by maybe finding a way to stretch out your time of possession for the love of God above. If you're connecting deep, if the deep passing is happening, don't stop. Rip them to shreds if you can. Again, their, de- their defense is pretty salty, but still, I think if Felipe Franks, who's one of the most accurate deep ball passers in the country, I think with someone like that, you ought to feel pretty good. Let's look at their third down percentage. They're at 44, almost 45%. Fourth down, Arkansas defense has not been so hot on fourth downs. Mizzou, 9 of 15. That's a 60% fourth down conversion percentage. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And they will go for it because they know Arkansas's defense. They struggle against the run, and they struggle on fourth downs. Fourth down, they've got a guy in the slot. He's probably going to run the slant route, and they do. Converted. That's happened too much this year. Special teams gonna have to back off on the on the penalties. I uh, you know just not too thrilled about what we've seen from Fountain in year one. Hopefully they get it all put together in this one. Okay, next up, let's do this. Discord questions. I'm gonna try and make these quick. I'm gonna go through these. Remember, if you're in our Discord, you gotta at me. I'm going to let Matt H. get away with this one. He got called out in our Discord for not adding me. you got to at me, baby. All right, Matt H., what are Vanover's chances of being drafted and potential in the NBA? I have no idea this year. I don't know. Obviously, it's just too soon to 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 make any kind of statement or, or guess about who gets drafted, their potential. I mean, I like what I see. If if he plays this way throughout the rest of the year, yeah, I mean, there's there's potential there with that seven foot three frame. He could stretch the floor. Forget about it. I mean, that's <laughs> needs to put some meat on the bones, though. He can get pushed back inside if you watch him. He can get pushed around a little bit because he doesn't have a whole lot of meat. I've got some. He can borrow. I've got more than enough meat for everybody here. <laughs> Gavin Pratt says, uh, Ty, how has COVID? Effect affected our recruiting. Has it impacted uh, negatively or positively for football? I'm going to say negatively. It's been a big impact. I've said before, Sam Pittman is the kind of guy that he's got to be in the he's got to be in the living room with mom and dad, with the siblings, with with family, with the recruit, with the prospect. And you can't do that with this extended dead period. You can't have any contact. Uh, in person with these recruits at their homes, and that's that's him at his strength. That's what Sam Pittman does, you know. And uh, that's a good question, Gavin. I appreciate it. But it's been a big disadvantage. It has absolutely. I think Arkansas it will have an impact. Right now, we look great, right? And if you get if you get a couple of these, I think they've got two spots left. And if they get who I think they get, yeah, it's going to look great. Okay, your top twenty, your top twenty five, top twenty recruiting class. But then comes early signing period. Then you're going to see Arkansas start to drop. And that's just the nature of these things. Jay Haas Jr. Well, since you asked so, or since, since you so kindly asked, Hammonds and Smith, one, two punch thoughts. You know, someone had a, a really good point about two small guys, two smaller frame guys um, running the football. And, and look, Hammonds is explosive. We've seen it. Traylon is a capable back. You gotta have good. You gotta have good run blocking. Without good run blocking and holes opening up, it won't really matter, will it? But uh, I, I I like the idea of Hammonds and Smith back there. If we can get Hammonds involved in just running the ball out of the backfield, not on these goofy end arounds and double reverses. Thoughts on the FBS separating from the NCAA? I won't answer that one. Odds on beating Mizzou 
in the band geek like i said i don't like arkansas's odds here i think mizzou's just playing better football right now arkansas yeah they had some time to prepare but i don't think um I, I just I think Arkansas has been exploited a little bit. I think their cover forward's been exploited. You know they've got some issues. Uh, the freshman Hudson Clark gets, I mean he gets picked on and man cover like he's, he's he looks like he needs a little work in, in man cover skills. He is taller, right? Six two and a half, uh, hundred and like eighty pounds, but he's like a four six high four six guy. He's not super fast. He gets kind of he gets beat on those on man coverage. He's been exploited. And he gets picked on. Mo Brown's been pretty effective this year, uh, but yeah, I, I just I think Mizzou probably has seen enough to to on film to say to, to be prepared. Drinkowitz has uh, look. Let's face it. He's he's been a pretty good hire for them year one. If you win, you sweep all the new coaches. That's big time. That's big time. Devin H. Do we do we see that power back you mentioned? in your video this week against Mizzou because Traylon won't cut it. Johnson, I believe his name is. Yeah, Johnson, 6'2", 6'1 and a half, 6'2", 235, 240, somewhere in there. He's he, he looks like your traditional fullback out of the I formation. You know, he's, he looks like an I formation power backer. Remember Darius Howard back before uh, McFadden came along? He reminds you a little bit of that. I've watched quite a bit of film on him. He is, you know, not the speediest back but he is physical he can run pretty physical i did talk about him i don't know if we see him or not there's been some injury concerns there with johnson i think he got banged up a couple times this year i'm not so sure if he's had COVID. obviously they can't they can't release that information but uh i I, you know it's similar to a couple other guys a couple other freshmen that came in this year kind of thought we would see them eventually especially johnson with spivey in the transfer portal. Now you don't have Rakeem Boyd. You wonder about the durability. Can Traylon, if you play, I mean, the Mizzou game should be happening, but if you do play a bowl game, can Traylon handle the load by himself? I don't think so. I do agree with that. I don't know that Traylon can handle 20 carries a game. I don't know that he's capable of doing that. And with two games left, that makes you wonder, who who does come in? Is it going to be TJ Hammonds? Do we see Johnson? Is it somebody else? I don't know. Blaine Toll? I mean... Why not? You've, you've, he's played. He's been moved back and forth from tight end to defensive line like 15 times. That'll do it for the for the Discord questions. Thank you guys so much for those. We really do appreciate that. We want to make you guys a part of the show. We want to make you feel like you're you're a part of what we do here. And if you're if you're curious, if you want to join in on our Discord and want to get in on these questions for the Friday show, you can. Yeah, there's there's a link on our Twitter bio. You just click that, and uh, if you don't have a Discord account, you create one. It's free. Discord's pretty awesome. Gets a little uh, a little rambunctious on game days. I love it. It's good stuff. So that will do it for this segment. Next up, Kyle Adam Spencer. Next, we'll see you guys. I will see you guys next week. Stick around. Who pick? Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. We're back on episode number 145 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here, and I am joined now on the Workman's Travel Center hotline by Saturday Down South Rider and a favorite, I say that very lightly among Razorback fans, the guy who hates Mason Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Adam Spencer. Adam, appreciate you joining. It's great to talk some football with you. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. So uh, we'll get started. Um, again, well, first off, I'll, I'll tell the Mason Jones story. I know that many of you listening will probably remember. I guess it was Adam maybe about close to a year ago. Well, or towards the back end of the basketball season when you started uh, making your five picks for SEC Player of the Year, even though the Razorbacks had a losing record. I think that um, definitely I, – I saw your case. I certainly did. But uh, I think that pretty much everybody uh, that covers the SEC, some around the nation, had said – that Mason deserves to be the SEC player of the year because of how he's played and all this stuff. Well, Adam puts his out and Razorback fans did not like that. But to your credit, you did eventually put him in there. So that, that, but, but I'm sure you didn't hear about that part. You probably just heard about how you left him off. 
Oh, of course. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little lower on him than most to start. And uh, I did I did come around on him. He to be fair to me, too, he did finish the season really, really strong. So when I first started, he was like he should have been in there. But like I, I and I still would have voted at the end of last year. Even then, I still would have voted for Emmanuel quickly just because I do value you know the mvp player of the year like that's so subjective and stuff like that there's obviously some some different voters who value different things so i still would have picked emmanuel quickly if i had to vote for one but like i was glad to see that he was at least the co-player of the year because just the way that he could score was just incredible and the way that he carried the team when joe was not 100 like yeah i definitely came around on mason jones last year so i uh it just took me a while to get there yeah, definitely understandable, and I, I'm glad that he did get his shot. I had said all offseason, really after he had mentioned that he was going to go for the draft, that he really had nothing left to prove this year. It was kind of a sucky spot because you didn't think you were going to get drafted, but or at least we didn't think that, and that's our, many of us, and that's the way that it ended up being. But he's with the Houston Rockets now, has a chance to continue to prove people wrong. And um, looking forward to basketball season. We have gotten that rolling, but we got a pretty important game just a little bit this coming up weekend that we weren't able to play over Thanksgiving. I know that you and I have been talking for a couple of weeks trying to set this up. And really, you know, the first couple of storylines are pretty obvious there. You've got Drinkwitz on your sidelines, a, a Alma, Arkansas grad um, that went to Arkansas Tech. And then, of course, spent some time with Gus Malzon, as, as you'll see a lot in the offense that he runs, an offensive guru. And I'll be honest with you, Adam, I, I was I was really hard on Missouri. I, I thought that that was a terrible hire, not because I don't think that he's an offensive mind. Um, again, like I just said, I mean, he's proven that. But I was just, you know, the one year of coaching experience, which that's one of the things that scared me about Sam Pittman, was great recruiter, very well-established coach, but no head coaching experience. But you can't say enough about both of these teams um, were picked to finish – anywhere from 11th to last by depending on who you asked. And um, I know that you guys and you and, and Missouri as a fan base has to be very pleased that you have a winning record as we get close to the end of the season. Oh yeah. I mean, and I was a fan of the drink with tire at the time. I wasn't at first I wanted Mike Leach and now like, I'm kind of glad that that didn't really pan out, but you know, when, after the initial round of names came out, then the like second round of names was like Todd Munkin or no Jeff Munkin, the guy at Army. Uh, there was like I think like uh, Willie Fritz from Tulane, and then like Troy Calhoun from Air Force were like all mentioned as potential candidates and like those just those names just didn't really do anything to for me or for most of the fan base so then to like go from that, that to Drinkwitz was just like I was thrilled with that hire at the time just based on how they sort of listened to fan reaction and changed courses and still got a guy like that and then he just hit the ground running man like I he, he's been incredible ever since like just his celebration after they landed uh Enos Rakestraw after he uh committed to Mizzou over Alabama like that was like that's the kind of energy that had been missing from the program and like and again I'm sure we'll talk about him in a, in a second plenty but with Barry Odom but you know the end of the Barry Odom era was the recruiting was kind of stagnant and uh but you know that's why I think that Odom also ended up in a great place because he can't he can't be the guy who's the face of the program you need a guy like Sam Pittman who can, with all of his yes sirs and his personality and stuff like that to really so, yeah, I think both of our schools made amazing hires this offseason, and the the turnarounds that both of our programs have gone through have shown that. I, I want to get into Barry Odom, but I want to point out quickly, you mentioned about how whenever he would made that celebration for the commitment, um, I, I think he picked you guys over, like, I want to say Alabama. It was some pretty big schools. I, I do remember when that happened, but – He's uh, he, he's kind of been reminds me a little bit of Brett Bielema, except he's actually winning his first year. But in terms of he takes those light shots, like he took that light shot at Arkansas on National Signing Day when he said the school down south is getting these recruits or whatever. I was paraphrasing, but I, I kind of like how he has. It, it's not. Um, I don't want to say. I guess you could say cocky, but I would say more of just like a light shade of arrogance more. And, but the reason why I feel like he's doing that is to really, he's a young guy. He, he's only been a head coach of really almost two years now. So I feel like he's trying to establish himself. And I actually really like what he's done in terms of making that. Well, I can talk some crap a little bit here and there in, a, in an extremely under the radar manner, but I can also back it up. And that's what he's done with a four and three record. 
Oh yeah. And I, I agree with you that he's, he's like, he's called it like it is basically. He said this week, even he, he said, yeah, I, like I negatively recruit other programs and like everybody does that. Like that's not a secret, but like coaches don't want to admit it there, but they'll, you know, everybody, you know, Davo Swinney will complain about everybody's negatively recruiting against us. Jim Harbaugh does it, you know, it, and Tom Herman's doing it now. And it's just like, yeah, they are. You're doing the same thing, though. So, like, well, it's no secret that coaches do whatever they have to do to get top guys to come to their program. So, I don't know why that's groundbreaking, but I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Eli Drinkwitz said it, and I liked that he, you know, in the build up to the to the Florida game too, he was like, "Yeah, I'm not releasing my injury report until." you get the other coach to do it because Dan Mullen wasn't doing it. So, you know, like he's, he's just, he's not afraid to say like, he's not afraid to point out like these things about college football that we all know are happening. You know, there's gamesmanship with the injury reports, there's gamesmanship in recruiting and he's just, he's open about it. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just, and he's a great Paul Feinbaum guest too. So, I mean, that's going to be great for the program because if you have a guy like Lane Kiffin, who can, you know, stay in the media spotlight. And now Drinkwitz is doing that too. That's only a benefit for your program. Let's back up to almost exactly a year ago. You guys were coming off a weekend where you beat Arkansas for the fourth consecutive year in a row for the, the battle line trophy. And it was pretty clear, I think, especially probably from someone in your position that covers Missouri, that you knew that Barry Odom was going to be on his way out. Was that he? I know he had exactly a 500 record there. Was that something that you were a fan of personally, or did you maybe think that he deserved one more year? I think it was time for a change. Um, just the way that you know, even now, again, like going back to recruiting, Drinkwitz is getting a lot more guys from St. Louis than Odom was, and that's that's a big key to success for Mizzou, you know, that's just. It's where you got to get players from. If you're in the state of Missouri, you got to be able to beat out, you know, Illinois hasn't been a big factor there recently, but now you get like, it's such a talent rich area that you get Ohio State, you get, you get Oklahoma's, you get Notre Dame's coming into the area, you know, like Zeke Elliott got out and went to Ohio State. So, and uh, this running back, I, I forget his name right now, but whoever uh, Notre Dame's top running back is, I believe he's a St. Louis area guy too. And, you know, these guys have to stay at Mizzou that's how you build a successful program at Mizzou and Drinkwitz seems to realize that and like I said just the the program was a bit stagnant under Odom I think he's a great guy and he's clearly proving that he's an incredible defensive coordinator but that was never the issue at Mizzou it wasn't about the defense you know it wasn't about that like Honestly, if he would have taken a demotion to defensive coordinator, like I would have been happy to, but you can't, you can't do that to, to a person's pride. Like he was never going to stay at Mizzou and just take a demotion. So, you know, that's, that's, it was just time for all parties to move on. And uh, I wish he didn't end up at one of Mizzou's rivals, of course, but uh, I'm happy he's uh, having success. I, I, I want to, you mentioned rivalry and that was the next thing that I was going to get into, but I realized, I think as soon as I asked that question, that I said, let's, uh, let's fast forward to last year. So I got to correct myself. <laughs> I got to correct myself like 30 minutes later and say, I meant to say, rewind. Uh, I, I, I worry about little things like that, but we, we talk, that's, that was another thing I wanted to mention to you. We talk about this rivalry deal and I'm, I know that it was kind of forced with Jeff Long creating that trophy being the, at least the mastermind behind that or one of them do you think it's at that point yet? because Adam I'll tell you I actually posted something on Twitter earlier and I think that it will be at some point because it's I think it's going to continue to be a game that we see Thanksgiving weekend or at least that we see every single year playing for a trophy you think about LSU and Arkansas now LSU fans don't look at Arkansas as a rival they they hate Alabama they don't really care about our game for the most part but whenever that trophy came about in the mid to late 1990s and we had some of the games that we've had Arkansas fans look at it that way. I do think that at some point Missouri can be like that. The more and more we play, especially with the connections that we have this year and probably will for the next few years. But where, where do you see this standing right now? I guess this is what the eighth year that we're playing for the battle line trophy. So where, where do you see it as we stand right now? Well, yeah, like you said, you know, if and when we get back to a bit of normalcy here with, 
college football and fans and stands and all that, you know, I, the black Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, like, I think that's a great day and they've carved that out, you know, the past few years, that's been the like featured on CBS on, on the Friday after Thanksgiving. And like, that's like just that sort of exposure is how rivalries get built. And honestly, I think the fan bases are getting there too. You know, just the, the amount of hate that goes both ways in this route, in this rivalry with fans arguing that it's not a rivalry is just like that's what makes it a rivalry is because you guys are all getting so fired up about about how it's not and how you have bigger fish to fry but i got like mizzou's not gonna be getting back to kansas on a regular basis you know so you know we need to find a a new rival and arkansas makes sense i mean you know arkansas and missouri I'm sure I'll get crushed for this, but they're similar states. You know, they got, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the states. They're right next to each other. So they have all the makings of a good rivalry. And uh, now that uh, now that Sam Pittman's there and you got the Barry Odom flavor down at Arkansas and Mizzou seems to be trending in the right direction with Eli Drinkwitz, you know, that's what builds a rivalry and I can't wait to see the game this year because I think it's going to be really even and if that continues then it's it should be an intense rivalry over the next few years anyway well and you also look at about 10 years ago in the basketball front it kind of happened with Mike Anderson so by the time that Missouri got into the SEC in 2013 it was already there so I do see it coming I, I I'm just I'm not I think you make a great point about if we're arguing about it, if we're getting fired up, then yes, um, then that does show you at least that we're getting there. I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I respect Missouri. Again, like I told you, I've got a lot of family that, uh, that went there that are, that are fans, but I don't know. I, I'm just not, I'm not quite there yet, but, but we talked about the headlines to the game. Uh, we'll talk, I want to start off with Connor Basil. Like he's, I, I'm sure I probably just butchered his name, but completed 70% of his passes for 1600 yards, but he's only got five touchdowns. Now I have not watched a ton of Missouri. I have, I have caught not a full game, but I've caught at least maybe a half of one. I think I want maybe watch the Kentucky Missouri game maybe, but I haven't seen a lot of them. And is it really just one of those deals where he's moving them down the field and then they usually just finish it off with Roundtree? Or how, how is that playing out that he only has five touchdown passes, but a pretty substantial amount of yards? Yeah, he has a couple of uh, rushing touchdowns too, I think. So, you know, he's getting the ball down there. And yeah, like you said, it, it is. He's, he's guiding the defense or he's guiding the offense down there, down the field. He's got weapons all over the place. He's gotten Jalen Knox more involved. He's, uh, Towski Dove has become a, a star, but uh, you know he, he's he's getting the offense down into the red zone, and then it's the Larry Roundtree show. <laughs> that's you're right, like that's exactly what it is. That he's he's the guy that they give it to on the goal line. You know they can also get it to Beatty in space, and Beatty's had a couple of big plays for touchdowns. And and honestly, too, it's just like you look at these scores, and outside of the outside of the big offensive performance against LSU and outside of the 41 to nothing shutout of Vanderbilt last weekend, like they're not scoring a lot. Like that Kentucky game wasn't particularly offensive heavy. And uh, you know, then um, you know, the South Carolina win wasn't that again, like they didn't run up the score or anything. So there aren't a ton of touchdowns going around exactly. So he's, he's doing, but like, I, I do think he's, a redshirt freshman and this is a really encouraging sign for the future what he's doing this year and uh, just the way that they're developing these receivers who are going to be around for the next couple of years too so I know Roundtree's gone but you know he's he's been a star for as long as he's been at Mizzou he's had four big seasons with with the Tigers and uh and he's going to be awesome wherever he ends up in the NFL. But yeah, he, he's just been the t- touchdown vulture this year. And uh, that might continue as, as we continue in the season too. You, you touched on your defense and led by Nick Bolton has been a surprise, just like Arkansas's defense has been a surprise. We've slipped some, but compared to what we've been the last few years, it's just been amazing to actually see that we can tackle and do the basic stuff. But three out of the past four games, Missouri's only averaged or allowed averaging seven points per game. Now, I know that it's if you can say, oh, it's South Carolina, oh, it's Vanderbilt. They don't even have head coaches anymore. That's not Missouri's fault. I mean, they, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They did. They're doing their job. Is it a surprise to you to see how well that the D has been playing? Um, a little bit, yeah. I thought that they were going to have some trouble with uh, the secondary and stuff, but uh, Martez Manuel has really stepped up and uh, 
Tyree Gillespie is really is really playing much better than uh, he even did last year. Um, so, and then yeah, Nick Bolton. When you've got a guy like that leading your defense, I mean, that guy's just a stud. But I mean, you guys at Arkansas know about stud linebackers on your defense right now too. So, you know, that's going to be a fun battle to to watch between. I mean, I know they're not going to be on the same field at the same time, but uh, Grant Morgan and uh, and Nick Bolton going head to head. I mean, that's that's about as good as it gets in college football right now in terms of a linebacker battle. And then, yeah, just they've been good on the back end. You know, they've had a couple games where they've allowed a lot of points, but uh, you know, that was LSU before uh, Miles Brennan got hurt. I mean, he got injured in the game against Mizzou, but uh, yeah. And then they've, like you've said, they've faced some lackluster, let's say offenses, but you know, Kevin Harris at South Carolina is one of the best running backs in the sec and Kentucky's rushing attack is really solid. So against the run, they are, they're incredible. And uh, I think that's a credit to Ryan Walters who, you know, this might be the last year that we see him running the Mizzou defense because he might be on to a head coaching job of his own before, before too long. Adam, as we close out here, I got to put you on the spot. Like I do everybody, I'm going to get your prediction and I, you know, you got to factor in what you just mentioned about how Missouri's got a pretty good, a really good run defense. Rakeem Boyd, of course, opted out earlier this week. So we're really, we've also had another transfer portal guy in Amonte Spivey. He entered, I want to say about a month ago. So you're pretty low on running back and with Missouri's run defense, you also, I mean, you do have to factor that part in, but how do you see this going? This is a big game for both of us. Realistically, Arkansas's last chance to win a game as they play Alabama next week, possibly. You guys might possibly still have to make up a game with Mississippi State. How do you see this going? I think this is going to be a really close game. I know I think Mizzou's favored by three, which is generally, you know, what they what they give to the home team. So I, that seems to be, you know, the, the gambling guys think that it's pretty much even. And uh, I think that it's going to be a really close game. I think that we're going to see our team scoring in uh, the same, you know, low 20s that we normally see. But I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to pick my guys Mizzou. So I've got them winning 21-20, just really close game really exciting finish late that's what I think and that's going to be really good for this rivalry too see I've actually I've got us uh, I'm going to pick the Razorbacks 33 to 27 I'll admit that I don't wholeheartedly believe that but it's it's the last time that I'll be able to pick them assuming we're, <laughs> we're going to go to a bowl game it's looking like but you know we don't know that we're going to make it there but I don't wholeheartedly believe that but I'm just going to say it so I can pick them one more time this year but I do I do think that it's going to be I mean even I know last year or maybe it was, was it 2018 maybe maybe it was even the last two years I don't even know that you guys have beat us up pretty good but I feel like one of those two years under Chad uh, was actually not so bad I feel like we played like a million quarterbacks against you guys last year but uh, yeah yeah, man, it's it's definitely a, uh, a crunch time for the Razorbacks. It's crazy to think that we haven't won that game in, in four years. You would think that it'd be a little bit more competitive. But as you said, I think both of us are, are in good positions with the head coaches that we have. And so uh, just thankful to make it to this point. I, yeah. I really didn't. You know, we were talking, I cover high school ball as well, and we're, we're going to do the 7A and the 6A state championships this weekend. And we didn't think we'd get there. So, I mean, you know, it looks like we're going to get to play at least a little bit of basketball, which when do, when do we play you guys in basketball? Do you know? I'm not sure on the SEC schedule yet, but uh, once once we – yeah, it's a, it's a day-by-day thing with basketball. At this yeah, point, yeah, so. you never know. Well, and that's the thing too. We always have to put an asterisk beside it. We don't know if we're going to make it there. But, but uh, Adam, it was great talking with you and definitely want to talk with you more, especially down the road once we get into basketball, if we get there. Yeah, sounds good. Should be a good year for for all involved. Definitely. Well, that will do it for episode number 145. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week. For Adam Spencer, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.